Hi, and welcome to the podcast You're Having Tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Aaron Simmons, who is a fellow comedian and good friend. We did a corporate gig together, and this is a conversation that we had beginning about that and then verging off in all sorts of exciting directions. So we spoke, spoke about the corporate gig, we spoke about uh, disability and comedy and kink and all consent and all sorts of things. It was a pretty fun conversation. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it. Patreon.com slash Alice Fraser is the place to go if you want to support this podcast. If you're in London, I will be doing one more show of Twist. It, this show has a deadline on it, which you'll know if you've seen the show what that deadline is. Twist, the 3rd of September, will be the last time I perform it. It'll be at the Bill Murray. It will be being filmed for Go Faster Stripe. I don't think there's a ticket link up now, but pencil it into your diary at 4 to 5 p.m. The Bill Murray in Angel uh, on the 3rd of September is that. That'll be the last time I perform Twist. I'll also be performing the live Bugle on the 16th of September. I don't have any other live dates in the that are confirmed in the in the near future. I'm taking a little bit of a step back from live. So uh, that's all. Patreon.com slash Alice Fraser if you want to talk. Uh, in the salons, we have weekly salons. We have weekly writers' meetings. We have occasional book clubs and... All of that at the moment is still available at the $1 a month level. I will get round to re restratifying it. I took all the levels down during COVID because it just sort of didn't feel right. Everyone was really stressed out about money and the world ending. So I took away all the levels. So now uh, you can get all of the things for $1 a month. At some point I will I'll, I'll reinstitute the class system. But for now, <laughs> I think it's sort of ridiculous that you're getting a writer's meeting and workshop one a week so that's four a month for a dollar a month they're so much fun they're so nice they're so lovely uh other than that this is tea with alice i also have a podcast called the gargle and that's all from me uh i'll talk to you again next week you're having tea with alice hi uh hello mate you're having tea with alice what are you drinking who are you Tell people. Uh, I'm Aaron Simmons and I am drinking honey and lemon uh, with hot water because I have a sore throat. Because you are at the Edinburgh Fringe. I am indeed. Doing the Edinburgh Fringe. I am indeed. I'm so tired. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird because we've talked quite a lot this Fringe. We have, it's been really nice. Yeah, it's lovely obviously, but it sort of feels weird that we have to do this formal introduction again. Be like, hi, how are you? We've, we've been talking for like half an hour. Yep, that's true. We've been talking for half an hour and we saw each other the other day. Mm. Um, we did the weirdest corporate gig of all time, mm. as all corporate gigs are the weirdest gig of all time. Yeah, but usually when, whenever I do a corporate, I feel kind of comfortable in the fact that I'll never see or any of the people there again. I feel quite comfortable about doing it. Like, look, it is what it is. It'll be a bit stuffy, but it... it you know, money's good and whatever. And then we turned up and, well, I so I knew I was doing the show for a while. It's been in my diary for a while. And then uh, we shared the same agent. She called me and was like, do you want to host this? Uh, I was like, no, not really. Because I, for the listeners, I am I have cerebral palsy. I usually perform in a wheelchair, but to, uh, this year in the Fringe, I am standing up for the hour, which is a ridiculous decision. Uh, and when I host, I do it on my feet, and when I perform shorter sets or, you know, I can do it in my wheelchair. And so I was like, no, I'd rather do it in the chair just so I can sit down. 
And she's like, cool, I'll find somebody else. Then I turn up at the event and I see you. And I'm like, great, I get to gig with Alice. This is going to be lovely. Alice is hosting. So my uh, side of the perspective was two days before the, yeah. I got a message saying, uh, hey, do you want to do this gig? And I said, sure. And they said, emceeing? And I went, how much? And they told me and I was like, fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it, it's a corporate gig, but it's in Edinburgh. You know, the amount of travel and all that kind of stuff makes it very, very easy. So I turn up and I see you and I'm very excited. Because I'm like, oh, okay, I know this show's going to be good now. And wow. then, so we're just hanging out. And then the organiser of it all goes, okay, so you're going to bring on Eddie first. And I went, sorry, who, who's, who's going on first? Like, oh, Eddie is on. She's, she's just over there. And then it all changed in my mind. Because uh, <laughs> my first, like, the literally the first stand-up I ever watched was her special, Dress to Kill. Mm. Like, I had it on VHS. My uncle gave it to me when I was 10 years old, something like that. I watched it a couple of times a week. I can still quote from it. And, uh, yeah, it was absolutely bonkers. Um, like... Genuine and like you got to say welcome to the stage, Eddie Izzard. Has that sunk in yet? I got to say welcome to the stage, Eddie Izzard. It was strange because it was not a stage; it was the co- the corner was, of a restaurant, yeah, it was and floor. there was no lighting, mm. and the microphone didn't work. So it was in the way that corporate gigs can be. This is, I mean, so for people who don't know inside the comedy scene, corporate gigs have this odd reputation because they are a place where you can make money. So people are jealous of people who get to do lots of corporate gigs. But almost inevitably, corporate gigs are quite hard to do Mm. because they're very rarely set up in a venue that is optimised for comedy. Most people who are there are not there to see comedy. They're there to do the corporate thing that they're meant to be doing. They're... They're under duress of some kind. It's an awards ceremony yeah. or it's their end of year thing that they feel obliged to be at. There's a reason why it's so much money. And the reason why it's so much money is you wouldn't do it if it wasn't so much money. Yes. They're not fun gigs usually. Not usually. I quite like them because I used to work in a corporate environment. That makes so sense. I, I think about how, what I would have liked if I had had to go to a shitty gig that I didn't mm. want to go to. What I would actually want from... Yeah. The entertainment. And so it's sort of something, a combination of feeling safe and secure, like someone isn't going to cross a line and make you have to deal with it. Mm. But also that there should be a little bit of like fun. Yes. <laughs> actual fun and actual joy. Yeah. I, the rarest thing in a corporate environment. Yeah, I think for me, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty okay at corporates. And the reason being, I think it's A, it's very hard to like, one of the one of the things that a lot of comics struggle with is that when they go to a corporate, people are, you know, dismissive and they don't want to be there and they're aggressive towards the comedian. Quite difficult to do that with the guy in the wheelchair. <laughs> but I think generally what I think when corporates go the best they do is when you do the slight, like you let them into like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this slightly rude stuff. And it's actually like a two, like a three out of ten <laughs> on how rude you can be. Like, oh, my God, I, I said bum. Oh, my yeah. God, I wasn't supposed to say bum. Oh, my God, I can't believe you guys like that. Okay. And, like, that kind of thing makes a real big difference, I feel. Um, well, I think the thing is that 
most comedians have mm. never worked in a large corporate environment. Correct. For any length of time. And if they have, usually it's at entry level. I have not worked. I've never had a real job. <laughs> but, I mean, which is no insult to comedians and mm. no insult to corporate world. But corporate world is a very specific thing. Yes. And most comedians would be terrible at it. And, yeah. and um, Me personally... Awful. It was not the uh, air that I am designed to breathe, let's mm. say, but I'm I'm conscious of what it sort of is and what it does to the mm. to the human soul, the ways it, that it kind of um, pressures you to behave. Yeah. And so then you have to because if you understand that, then you can understand why they react the way they react and how they react, and then that's so for me. Comedy is about um, solving problems. Yeah. Every audience is a problem. Every joke is a problem. Every show is a problem that I can solve. I find that very satisfying. And so corporate is a particular kind of problem. And you can either solve it or you can't. Um, I find it interesting that you use the problem. If you use the word puzzle, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's fun. I think but, problem in terms of like mathematical problem. And yeah. for me, it's less about the fun. I think maybe this is partly my wiring uh, as someone who's brought up as a carer uh, is like... I like helping fix sure. problems. Solving puzzles okay. doesn't feel like there's any utility to it. Interesting. Okay. But solving problems feels like I'm actually doing something, doing something good for somebody else. Something active and, and, and making something better. That's how I articulate it in my head. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And you are, you know, one of the most... Like, the way you cover, like analytical and uh, how well you articulate yourself is like phenomenal and I've always thought that and yeah it's just it's mad to me that you go okay how do I solve this problem I'll tell some jokes but you're right because <laughs> because you have the breadth of language and articulation to be able to go oh we've got this problem with AI I need to be able to explain it in a way that is funny that means that the thousand, two thousand people that get to see this Edinburgh show this year will have a better understanding of your thought process on AI and, you know, all the various topics that you talk about. Um, I just tell some silly little dick jokes. But that's what I love about comedy is that it can be all those different things and it can mean so many different things to the audience and to the comedian. Mm. And an audience member that comes into one of my shows and is like, this is not comedy to me is not mm. wrong mm. they're not they you, you sort of it is impossible to be wrong about whether something is comedy to you or funny to you you're not lying yeah no one no one goes there going i'm not gonna enjoy this just out of spite i imagine there's a small sector of people for whom sure. they would find it funny if they hadn't crashed their car earlier that day so they could be yeah. wrong that they, they 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 might find it funny in another context but mm. mostly, everyone is right. Everyone is right. This is funny or not funny. You know, like... Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think, I think... I get what you mean. I think, you know, no one goes... If, that, if you say a joke, some people will find it funny and some people won't. Yes. But then how come there are some jokes that... All comedians do, but let's use me in this example. There are some jokes that I do that every single room I'm in work. Yes. And there are some jokes 
where half the time it works and half the time it doesn't. That is a joke that is funny to more people. Okay. But the people themselves aren't right or, or wrong, if you know what I mean. If there's one person in the room here who isn't enjoying my comedy, they're not wrong. It's the same as, it's same as food, you know. I, I never really understand why people take comedy tastes so personally. If somebody says, oh, this is disgusting. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's my favourite food. That's sort of the end of the conversation. Yeah. They're not like, you're wrong for liking it. I don't like it. Yeah, salmon. What? Yeah. I, salmon. salmon is a fundamental fundamental part of my personality. Salmon won the best food award yeah, last year. Come on. <laughs> That's a prestigious award. I mean people do do that to a certain degree. What? Do you think all bears are wrong, do you? Because they <laughs> eat salmon? <laughs> no. Well, people get snobby about coffee orders, I guess. That is true. I don't like coffee, so I, can I tell you why I don't like coffee? Please. It lies to me. Why? It smells delicious yes. and then tastes horrible. Ah. I don't mind you tasting bad. If you're going to make me, like, energetic and whatnot, fine. But don't lie to me. See, for me, it, I don't drink coffee uh, because it's not even the taste in the moment, it's the aftertaste. Coffee breath. So there's a few... I actually don't mind coffee breath. Though. So it's not It's not even the breath, it's the it's the taste in my mouth to me. Okay. Like, I don't really care about offending other people. <laughs> you don't care about other people. Um, but, yeah, so there are the a few... I can't, I can't eat raw onions for the same reason. The flavour of them as I eat them is fine, right. but then 72 hours later I still have the taste of onion in my mouth. Interesting. Even if I brush my teeth, no matter what, no matter what. So I just can't do it. Like I can I can diagnose when somebody ate onion for lunch if they just come and talk to me. Like wow. if it was yesterday, I'd be like, ugh. Just for that is a reasons. very minor superpower. It is the worst superpower. Just mm. hypersensitive <laughs> to onions. No, I don't come out in a rush, I, a rash or anything. I just but you do come in a rush of, I, in I, the I, other I, way. I, right? yeah, get out of the way. Yeah. Anyway, so we were doing this corporate gig. Yes. Eddie Izzard was there. Yes. I uh, thought as MC. Oh, sorry, sorry. You're about to tell the story, and I need to point out this is remarkable for you as a human <laughs> being, right? So we were sat. In the green room, in quotation marks, was a table slightly to the side of the room. Yes. And you said to me, and I still cannot believe the sentence came out of your mouth, you went, I'm just going to go chat to Eddie. Well, okay, the, I mean, contextually... That's Matt, it's Eddie, is hard. Okay, contextually, I thought, as the MC, I should talk to all the acts when they arrive. Um, yeah. That's your job, is to make sure everyone's comfortable and happy as the MC. Your job isn't actually to be that funny, it's to make sure everyone's comfortable. Yes. Uh, make sure, and I know Eddie has had a lot of uh, pronoun changes mm. of late, and so mm. I wanted to make sure that she was comfortable with that. And, um, you know... Wonderful thing about you. Worth checking. Sure. Um, well, you know, you don't want to get cancelled <laughs> as well. Sure, but also just making sure that everybody feels comfortable. Yeah, you're, but that's your host, right? You're the, the, you're the host. Also, I know that... Can we just normalise asking people what their pronouns are? Like, it should just be such an easy question. When you if first meet think, someone... I don't think that's such an easy question because I have friends who've, like, spent thousands and thousands of pounds on transition who don't like to be asked what their pronouns are. Interesting, Because okay. they are like, uh, obviously I'm presenting in this very clear way. Interesting. I'd rather you didn't. Okay. No, I, I think enough. we should maybe normalise people telling you if it's important to them. Okay. Basically. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Um, okay, carry on. No, but I, don't, I think this is a point on which uh, reasonable minds can differ. Yeah. And that's just my, uh, the, again, just the people I've spoken to most recently who've told yeah. me what they prefer. Anyway, so I just went up. And also, yeah, I wanted to talk to Eddie Izzard as, as, as a person. Would have been, uh, was quite cool. 
Um, also, there was a really uh, old and loud chap talking <laughs> at sure. her about Brexit. Sure. Um, so I popped in, I said, hi, I'm the MC, I'm Alice Fraser, nice to meet you. Is there any way you'd like to be introduced or not introduced? Yeah. Which is sort of a very vague way of saying, is there anything I can say that's going to upset you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I think everyone has, you know. You everyone asked has the same something. thing to me. I did, yeah. Every, you know, um, And I said, can you introduce me as that fucking cripple? <laughs> and I said, I was already going to. Um, no... So I, I uh, you know, I will sometimes, d- depending on who the MC is, and if they ask me this, um, yeah. say something like, "Can you not introduce me to a with a sex joke?" Yeah. You know, something like that will yeah. annoy me. Yeah. Very little else will, or like Fraser, F R A S E R, not Fraser, if they're an American. Right. <laughs> um, Fraser. I I hate when uh, when I'm at the back of the room and the MC brings on a female comedian and. Go, She's lovely. She's she's really you're gonna. She's really love. You're gonna love. She's love. She's lovely. <laughs> Just say she's funny. Yeah. Or brilliant. Or fantastic. Welcome to the day. Dad. So simple. But people well, fuck it up all the time. Anyway, this chap. Yeah. Left after a few minutes, and I said to Eddie, "Sorry, I'm sure you didn't need rescuing, but I just wanted to make sure you were having an okay time." And um, then we had a bit of a chat. By which I mean to say, Eddie told me all about uh, her history at the Fringe and many years of performing, and sure. um, I listened with great interest to it all. And then I I did quite a good job of emceeing, I think. A very um, good job of emceeing. Thank you. I I turned an impossible gig into just a tough gig. <laughs> I told this story that I have t- that I tell at the beginning of my show as a kind of a warm up thing pre show about. Um, and in real life, it was Tim Minchin, but I've told it with a number of different mm. big acts in yeah. that slot to make the point to the audience. Because the, the point isn't actually who it was. It's that yeah. somebody sat in my show for 20 minutes and then left in like great, a great fluster going, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were Tim Minchin. Yeah. I have tickets for Tim Minchin. And me talking about that 20-minute period, what that must have been like yeah, for yeah. that. Well, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I used Eddie Izzard. As a way of just sort of personalising it to the show. Sorry for people who are listening. Sometimes lies are in pursuit of a greater truth. <laughs> the, the way I would always describe it is uh, everything in, in comedy that I do is true. The details are incorrect. So that's yeah. a true story, but it wasn't Eddie Izzard. It was Tim Mitchell. Yes. Um, so when I first came to the UK, I did it as Dara O'Brien because yeah. Dara's more recognisable yeah. here. Um, and you're more different to Dara. Than and more, I am more different to Dara than I am to Tim. But then, then I uh, realised that people recognised Tim here, so yeah. I defaulted to the truth because it's uh, easier to tell the truth. Yeah. Anyway, I did it about Eddie. Introduced Eddie to the stage, and Eddie said, "Oh, what a what a compliment to be mistaken for you. You're very pretty. I wish I was as pretty as you." And part of me went, "What a lovely thing Eddie is." I just complimented me, and then another part of me went. I would have liked to have been called funny. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, also, I get that, right? And I get that, you know, you can't stick. You're very pretty, Eddie is on, on a poster. Um, but I think the, in context, he, she couldn't have gone, um, oh, you're very funny. I wish I was that funny. Is Eddie Izzard? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, can you imagine if Eddie Izzard was like, oh, you're so pretty and you're so funny. I could never do that. What would have been worse than if she said you're so pretty? If she'd gone, 
You're a very good banjo player. <laughs> yes. Yes. That would have been. Mm, you should do. Yeah, that's the. You word. should do that's, more banjo. That's my least favorite piece of feedback. You should do more banjo. It's like I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm done with banjo. It's not. I'm done with banjo. I just can't. Cannot. I can. There are only. There's only. Okay. I have my suitcase. I have my backpack. I can carry one other fifteen kilo item. When I'm traveling internationally, and it's my baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> now sure. it's my baby. Yeah, I no, apologize. That's, that's a fair, the fair deal. I um, my wheelchair's only eight kilograms, so you could take two wheelchairs. One or, in each hand. Well, it's the, yeah, it's the, it's two, the wieldiness two, of it. So yeah. More. It's more the hand, the hand ability to mm. you know the. Yeah, I mean a wheelchair's not that difficult to to take with you if if you're in the wheelchair. Convenient. Yes. Famously got wheels. To make it easier for people. It does. How do you how do you go on planes? Is it are the aisles wide enough? No. So uh, I so I'm lucky enough to be able to walk, and so uh, when I go on planes, I will take my chair up to the aircraft. I then get out my chair and I walk up the aisle. But for those who are they unable have a, to, do they that, have a transfer. Yeah, process, they have a just they have like, like a such really a bitch. thin seat, which is really uncomfortable, and like really undignified as well in, in a lot of ways like I personally absolutely hate being pushed like it's my biggest thing like I genuinely don't have handles on the back of my wheelchair because I do not want to be pushed mm. and um and I, and I know that's different for other people and I'd never want to talk for other people's experiences but like it, the idea that you're essentially put on like you know the luggage well, you're, an, you're a very athletic young man yes oh yeah when I'm broken and in my you know Older, I'll be like, yeah, you can push me all the fucking time. Um, but like, you know the the luggage tro- trolleys at the airport. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like that, but for a person. Like it's that kind of vibe and aesthetic, and so you are just like brought to your seat, um, and it is it is very uncomfortable, and it you a know pr- a problem which could be solved so easily by just having a wheelchair space was near the door of the plane. Yes, but you, but so most people wouldn't, you, you can't sit in your chair whilst on the flight. No, but I mean, then you just transfer to your seat. If you had wheelchair accessible seats yeah. at the front of the plane. But okay, no, 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 yeah, I get, what you, I get what you mean. Business class yeah. people there. And yeah, you yeah. Have to go, like, and, that's, and that's the thing. Like, so it, dumb. It's, yeah, it's money over common sense. And then, you know, you factor up, be like, okay, well, we could do this or we could charge four times the price for this ticket. Let's charge four times the price and give them a trolley and get them to their seats in economy. Yeah. Um, I'm not a complainer in general about sort of uh, accessibility. Like, I do think it is getting better and I think we are... It's probably not moving as quickly as most people would like, but it is moving towards a better place. Um, But also... uh, the last time I was on a plane, I got upgraded to business class, and it was fucking awesome. Amazing. Um, and that purely because, because uh, I, I had to go ask the guy, um, I was transferring from uh, at New York. I went from Miami to New York to London, and I just wanted to make because I was in my chair, and I just wanted to make sure that they knew the whole system that I was going to push to the to the aircraft, and they were going to take the chair to the. Um, where the baggage is and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the guy was called Aaron. And so I may or may not have flirted my way to business. <laughs> um, that That is very much up to debate. 
Um, very much circumstantial. And, uh, but yeah, I remember it was like, he was like, I'm, I'm flight crew, you have to talk to ground crew about that. I was like, no, you're called Aaron, I'm called Aaron. And I'm not, I'm called Aaron. But it didn't need to be... Close called. enough. Close enough. I was like, we share the same name. We can do this. There's yeah. nothing that we can't get. So, and, uh, and then when he brought me to the plane, he was like, okay, so you're just going to walk, come down here. And like, it, so I start walking down the plane and he goes, okay, we're going to take a left. And I go, okay. And I go to take a right. And he goes, no, we're going to take another left. And I went, are you fucking serious? And he's like, yeah, sit there. I was like, oh, uh, that, yeah. it was so, that, it was so great. I have never been upgraded and now that I have a baby, I think I never will because I don't yeah. think anyone will upgrade someone with a baby because yeah. business, class, business class people don't want babies. Want to yeah. be exposed to the horrors of a baby. Yeah. Um, you know, they've paid a lot of money to have a very nice experience. Sure. And, and someone who has not paid a lot of money to have that experience, like, I'm not saying I get it and I'm not <laughs> saying like, oh yeah, I wouldn't want a baby ruining business class. But like, I could imagine being thoroughly upset if you'd spent that amount of money yeah. and then there is a crying baby. But um, also, everyone was a fucking baby once. Grow up. Yeah, that is one of the oddest experiences, I think. There feels like something wrong about it, but obviously there isn't when you see a small child mm. or a child in a business class seat that has mm. been bought for them. Because it feels like, but they're too small to enjoy how yeah. big this what is. is. Why Even don't they not... sit in economy and I'll, I'll have some reg- legroom, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, you know, their parents just want them to be close to them and they have yeah. bajillions of dollars, so they're allowed to make their child comfortable. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that feels like a thing that I have missed out on for another, probably another 10 years of my life. The Maybe. opportunity to be upgraded and, and also upgrades are becoming increasingly commodified. Now people right. bid on upgrades and you know, that most planes have a system whereby you can pay another couple of, you know, uh, not yeah. as much as you would, would. If you're buying a ticket when you first buy it. But but, so they, they'll auction off the business class if seats. You, if you want to pay £500. Yeah, you can get the business class seat. Um, so I think probably by, you know, this process of enchitification is what they call it, a great, great term. Um, everything becoming kind of commodified and, and yeah. made less pleasant uh, yeah. will probably rob me of the opportunity ever to get an upgrade to this, which is a shame because I'm always lovely. I'm always Unt- lovely on planes. I'm lovely until, to everyone. <laughs> until Eddie goes, I want her to support me on tour <laughs> and flies you I'm, all over the place. Look, I love Eddie Izzard. I think Eddie Izzard's comedy is extraordinary. I don't think... I don't think she'd give up stage time to anyone. That's yeah, that's maybe true. Uh, She's an extraordinarily ambitious person. I, I, I'm not someone who struggles to feel tight. Okay, well, just I was talking to my dad the other day about how she, she's just chosen to play life on hard mode. Mm. You know, from the very beginning yeah. of of you know wearing women's clothes on stage and yeah. saying you know they're not women's clothes, they're my clothes, yeah. all the way through to like running a marathon every day for a month or was it i don't know how long 50 uh, something day i definitely yeah no 30 marathons in 30 days I think. So, yeah just and then to doing comedy in different languages in different countries yeah. like this is somebody who has chosen to do everything without training wheels on yeah um and uh, i think having an open act, opening act is is probably training wheels yeah no that's fair that's a fair <laughs> thing uh 
yeah. not to overthink it. Yeah. Uh, not to overthink the complimentary hypothetical that you just presented sure. me with. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> as a way of reassuring me that my life isn't over because I'm not going to ever fly business class. Yeah. Yeah. How tired are you right now? I'm okay. I've been doing I've been doing this festival with two things in mind. Um physical health for reasons that I will talk about in a couple of weeks on this podcast. Um I've been trying to get enough sleep, look after myself, eat properly, Great. not do too many shows. I'm writing this book and okay. I've got the toddler to look after. So mental health also hugely important. Sure. Turns out that, and I had suspected this for a while, that if you decide you're going to have a nice fringe, yeah, um, you can, can sort of do that. Yeah. Now, in this context, of course, I'm selling tickets. My houses are full. Yeah. I have not got PR, so mm. I have not really been inviting reviewers in. Mm. I know some have come in, but I haven't been reading reviews. Mm. Um uh, I did get DM'd by a reviewer last night who sent me their review, but it was five stars, so I just okay. noted the yeah, five stars and that, didn't read the review. That's okay, yeah. Didn't read the review because I even with a five-star review, there'll be something in it that annoys me. Interesting. I know okay. myself. <laughs> I'm like, this is badly written or whatever. You're like, yeah. um, but uh, uh, that's nice to have that little uh, strip. But So I'm kind of I'm taking it easy on myself. And mm. then at the end of the show, you're like, oh, there's these things I could have done better, but mm. not beating myself up about it. And um, as a result, I am mediumly tired. Okay. How are you? I mean, three weeks is a long time into the fringe. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as tired as I thought I would be at this stage. When it started, I was knackered from day one. And so, so I'm doing the show on my feet. And I, so for context... When I agreed to do the show, I could stand up for 15 minutes. And I was like, right, well, that's what I'm just going to do. I'm just going to do it standing up. I'm going to be tired towards the end, but I'm going to do it enough. I'm going to preview enough that I'm going to just be able to do it. I'm just going to be able to do it. And then it got to about June, July. And I was like, I can do this pretty comfortably now, actually. I'm pretty happy. Stand I'm, on stage for an hour. Yeah, stand yeah. For, on stage for an hour. Like, I would walk every day. I would stretch, I'd make sure I did everything I needed to do. Like, I used to be a personal trainer, so I know how to... Uh, m- I was going to say manipulate my body, but I don't like the word manipulate. But, like, I, be- I know how to use my body in the way that I want it to be used, right? Yeah, you know I'm, how to train yourself up for an event. Yes, absolutely. But this um, is a... I mean, speaking of 30 marathons in 30 days... Yeah. Going from... I mean, I was going to talk to Eddie about it. Like, <laughs> genuinely... Because it is... The difference is the recovery... Because when I would do a show, the next day I would take the day off and I would do nothing and I would, or I'd do a gig where I got to sat, sit down for 20 minutes and just do the stories that I've been doing for five, six years and then just go home and, but it's the... Literally sit in your comfort zone yeah, and let absolutely. your muscles and recuperate. Exactly. And not, not have to think whilst on stage at all. Whereas when I got here, so I, I did... Two gigs in Durham, halfway up as a um, to break up the journey, and I did the Durham Fringe, and that was really fun, and it uh, was well, a bit stressful because my Airbnb uh, host uh, ghosted me. Um, oh. I called him, and I, he went hi, and I went hi Sam, and he went yeah, and I went Sarah, and I'm going to be staying in your house tonight. He went 
Oh, and then he hung up the phone and wouldn't answer my phone calls for seven hours. And then what happened? Uh, I then had to book a hotel for hundreds of pounds. Yeah. And Airbnb said that they would help uh, recuperate. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be charged anything for the Airbnb. No shit, Sherlock. I didn't stay in the fucking house. Yes. And then they were like, "Okay, but we can help you recover the costs of um, the hotel. We can pay thirty percent of what you paid for the Airbnb." And what I paid for the Airbnb it was like forty two pounds. So I was like, "Saying, and you're going to give me fourteen pounds to help cover a hotel that's hundreds of pounds?" I went, no, 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 thirty percent of one night. So they offered me seven pounds, and I told them to take their seven pounds and shove it up their ass. So Durham was kind of stressful, and then like my back was already a bit stiff because. Like, the venue that I had in Durham wasn't accessible, and so, like, I then had to be a little bit more on my feet than I was. And so I started Edinburgh in pain. Oh. And, like, the the theatre digs that I got uh, for this year has got a flight of stairs. And uh, here's something fun. I I accepted the flight of stairs because uh, my when I, I booked my digs in November. I was certain that I was coming back to the Edinburgh Festival. I was like, I wanna. I knew where I wanted to stay. I wanted to stay in Portobello. It's where I stayed last year. I wanted to be by the beach. wanted to be out of the city. I drive, so it's 15 minutes in, 15 minutes out. Perfect. Found this place, and it had a flight of stairs. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, mm, okay. And my girlfriend at the time, we were talking about moving in together, and I knew she didn't want to live in a flat. I knew she wanted to live in a house long term. So I thought, what I'll do is I'll get a fl- I'll get a, a place in Edinburgh that has stairs, so I get to see if I can manage stairs for a month. If I can manage stairs for a month, then I can manage stairs for however long, you know, forever, and we can buy a house together. It doesn't have to be a a, a, a flat or a bungalow. And uh, then she broke up with me. So, so the stairs are a forever reminder. Yeah, <laughs> every time I go up those stairs, I'm like, I don't need to do this shit anymore. Um, a fun fact, she is coming up to the Fringe tomorrow. Oh. Yeah. Speaking of playing life on hard mode. Yeah. Oh, hello, anxiety. Will but she yeah. come to your show? Yeah, that's the reason why she's coming. Oh. She's, she's spending hundreds of pounds to come see the show. So, she, so initially... Good that you've got a hundreds of pounds to see oh, no, your she does relationship not. with your ex. No, no, she doesn't have that money at all. So, what happened? <laughs> oh no, is, I just mean that yeah. it's nice that you have enough of a good relationship. Yeah, with that she's, she's willing to spend that money. So yeah. basically, what happened? Rather than spending hundreds of pounds to send you dead roses, yeah, and yeah. cockroaches on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what happened is uh, she was supposed to come last year, um, but we had this big old fight. We weren't together, Edinburgh last year. We've sort of been on again, off again. We had this big fight, and I, and I said, look, we can't talk until after Edinburgh. Like, it's too stressful. It's, and, like, this was an Edinburgh that I hadn't done in three years, and we had no idea what it was going to be like, and yada, yada, yada. So, she didn't come last year, and then we got back together shortly after Edinburgh, and then she was like, right, I'm coming to Edinburgh this year. And then one thing led to, you know, we broke up again, and she was like, I still want to come to Edinburgh. I was like, that's cool. So... We said that we, she said she was going to come, and then her sister, so 
thinks that I'm terrible for her mental health or bloody blah, 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 blah. I don't know how, I don't know why, but her sister doesn't like me very much. I think it's because I used to be her sister's personal trainer and she just has a real gut, like she, she's never forgiven me for making her stop eat, making her just stop eating rice. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's my theory anyway. Um, and then, and then yeah, so we would, so she, then cancelled her trip to Edinburgh. And I was like, okay, that's sad, but you can see the show in London. It's not a big deal. Because oh, I will be doing the show after Edinburgh. And uh, so we've been talking like once a day um, since I've been up. And then when I got the long list for the, for the Ish Comedy Awards, clang, uh, I told her about it. I sent her a voice note. She played the voice note while she was at lunch with her mum. She cried, and then her mum was like, so what, like her mum gone to the toilet, she listened to the voice note, she then burst into tears. And then her mum was like, what's gone on in the last 30 seconds for you to be this upset? And she played the voice note, and her mum was like, well, we're going to Edinburgh then. And so they're now coming to Edinburgh. Um, and yeah, it's very confusing set of circumstances because I talk about the breakup in the show I also talk about how I was going to propose to her this Edinburgh so we'll see what happens with that Um, what day are they coming Tuesday alright I'll make a note (laughs) that's right that's my this is my new um, this is my (laughs) new system make sure when your friends are in trouble write it down well no it's more that like you know particularly with a toddler, but I've always yeah. been a kind of, you know, slightly scatty correspondent. More scatty than I would like to be. I would love sure. to be the kind of person who writes a long letter to their friends every month and sends it to wherever they are in the world and keeps track of their addresses. And, yeah. you know, I would be, I, that would be a nice kind of person to be. I love it when I get letters yeah. from my friends or emails or yeah. texts or just thinking of you notes. Yeah. Um, I'm not that kind of person. Sure. I have stopped beating myself up for not being that kind of person great and just put in my phone every day two people that i like to say hi to (laughs) on rotation with a reminder of like once a month or once every two months just go say hi send love to this person and i don't do it every time the reminder comes up but i'll do it every couple of times the reminder comes up and and even if you only do it once it's still more times than you would have done without it and that, well, it's just not relying, it's sort of, it's similar to, so I had this epiphany about work, about creative right. work, which is that if you wait for inspiration to arrive, mm-hmm. you are going to be a very particular kind of artist. Okay. And that is not a consistent artist. Sure. And if you're doing art as a job, sure. you have to be consistent. Mm. You don't have to be brilliant all, all, all the time, but you have to keep turning out at work. And the way you get better at work is by turning out more work. Yes. Um. You know, there might be somebody who does two great pieces in their life and nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah. And they, they might be somehow a more um, authentic kind of good artist than I am. If you believe in this kind of mythology of inspiration and the kind yeah. of creative, the muse and all of that. Yeah. I think you can lure the muse with treats. Yeah. Um, I think Bribery. Yeah. Yeah. You can lay a little trail of breadcrumbs for the muse. And having had that epiphany about work... You just sit down and you write some jokes, and maybe they're not good jokes, but they're more jokes than you otherwise would have written. And you're getting closer, and then you can edit one of them into a good joke, and and so on. Um, I was like, yeah, that's friendship too. Yeah. And so 
you know, I won't remember uh, of my own accord. I'm busy. I've got a toddler. I've yeah. got a show. I've got a book. You are one of the busiest people that I know. That you're, you know, I'll be doing the gargle live. Yeah. I'll be desperately trying to write jokes for that. A little reminder will come up on my phone saying, good luck to Aaron. <laughs> Aaron's ex-girlfriend's coming to see a show with her mum. Maybe make sure he's yeah. okay. Yeah, just check in with Aaron, see if he's fine. I may even not say why, and I'll just get a text to you being like, hey, you okay, mate? <laughs> and you'll be like, how no. did she remember? No! Except no. that I've revealed the workings yeah. behind my devious yeah. friendship mind. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with that. It's funny that you mentioned consistency, because that is one of the things that I generally, I have been quite good at mm. uh, throughout my career, of like... I, it's funny because other acts have been like, oh, I just didn't perform well. Like, I just didn't do a good job. And I was like, I never understood that. And I couldn't work it out. And then what it was, and then this year, doing the show, like like last year, had a had a very nice Edinburgh. I, I did a four-star show last year. That is what I do. I got one five-star review. I think I got one three-star review as well, but it's a four-star show, right? And I'm, I'm very happy with being a four-star comic. I'm not Alice Fraser. <laughs> yeah, and I know that. <laughs> no, but like... I got it, I think, uh, I think I got a three and a half. But like, I'm quite happy being a four-star like guy. Like, that is what I aim to do. Like Scotsman gave me two and a half for Empire. Oof. Confusing. I took the quote and put it on my poster. Brilliant. <laughs> but, like, this is the thing. Like, I'm not trying to do a show that is questioning AI or parenthood or anything important like that. Like, I just want to do an hour of jokes that are really fun, that's got a story that people listen to and go, oh, yeah, my life's... My life feels better for an hour of being in his time. That's all I want, right? You do, your show this year is great. I Thank you enjoyed very much. it very much. Thank you very much. I saw uh, it in work in progress, and therefore yeah. I can only imagine it is better now. Uh, it was a pretty good night that you it saw it. It was a pretty good night. It was <laughs> yeah. a pretty good work in progress. Yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty fun. It's slightly better now, but yeah. Uh, but this is my point, is what's interesting for me this year. So last year, I think I did, what, 27, 28 performances, something like that, I would say there were probably one or two that were exceptional. Mm. Most of them, very good. And then two or three of them were okay. Mm -hmm. Whereas this year, it has varied a lot more than last year. And a lot more, and it's purely based on my physicality and how I feel on the day. And like, so I've had some real stinkers. Like some hours where no one has laughed for the entire hour uh, to the point where uh, like half an hour in i almost went should we just call this a draw do you want to just because <laughs> you're not enjoying this i'm not enjoying it should we just all go home um but like i've had some real things but i've had some really 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 good gigs and like shows and i think the show is better than the show i did last year but it's just interesting to me that doing something that is so physical, physically demanding to me, has affected how well I can do it. When you say it like that, you go, of course, that's fucking obvious. Like, if you're knackered and you're doing a show where you're doing something that is exhausting, of course it's going to be shit sometimes. So can I ask something specific? And I'll cut this if it's it's not appropriate. But, like, is it 
is it physical tiredness or is there also a coordination element? Are you essentially doing the show while juggling? No, uh, or is it just that, that was last year's show. <laughs> um, I know. Uh, what I'm asking. No, so it is. It is purely physical. So it's not a coordination thing. So it's not a, you know. So at the end of my show last year, I, I juggled, right? Yeah. And that Great was show. I, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much. It's not like I'm getting to the end of that show and then I can't juggle because I'm so tired. Yes. That's not what it is. What it is is so during the show I am. Whilst I'm on my feet, I'm quite animated and I, I sort of pace around a little bit and I sort of, it's a mix between pacing around the stage and falling over, right? <laughs> and preventative measures, right? And, um, but there's a point, round about the 40 minute mark, you know when there's usually a 40 minute lull in the audience because yes. they're tired and they're checking their watches and they're hot and all that kind of stuff. That happens to me. Uh, at 40 minutes, like my back gets really stiff and, uh, my left glute gets very, very tight and I stop moving and I, and I stop performing and I start saying the words. Because, yeah, you're, you're being distracted by your body. On the days where I felt the worst, it's affected me the most. Mm. On good days where it's been flying, like I can sort of scooch past that. And it's one of those things that, you know, some of the reviews have... Like, one of the reviews actually said, like, it's clear he's in pain, but he carries on with a smile on his face and he keeps us... It was a smile on our face. And, like, that was lovely. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what the show is supposed to be. But there are some days where I just haven't been able to do that. And I think it's really interesting that I've, I've written my best show. I'm proudest of it. And then on its good, on its good days... It's the best thing I've ever written. But on the bad days, it's dog shit. Uh, got my first ever two-star review. Well, this is interesting. I think because I have a theory. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's a really interesting thing. It is a great show. I saw it on a good night. Yes. It is a jo- show that is full of joy and cheekiness. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I run these writers' workshops every week mm. and I had a conversation some time ago. It's a, one that keeps coming back around, particularly for people who are writing stand-up because so people yeah. come in and they're writing science fiction or poetry or musicals or it's really great. Some of them are doing stand-up. Um, somebody tried some jokes about their family history. Yeah. And you could tell in the delivery of those jokes that they were not okay with the punchlines. Yeah. And you get this sometimes with people making jokes about their bodies. Yeah or their race, yeah. or whatever. It's a, something that they're still that is really painful to them. And they're still trying to work out. And audiences yeah. will laugh at the joke. Yeah. Clock that it's hurting you. Yeah. That their laughter is a confirmation of something that you're actually not okay with. Yeah. You say, I look like Mr. Bean. Say yeah. that's your insecurity. You look like Mr. Bean. You worry that you look like Mr. Bean. You say, I look like Mr. Bean. Audiences are like, ha ha ha, yeah. he does look like Mr. Bean. Oh my God, I've wounded him yeah. by confirming that he looks like Mr. Bean. Yeah. Now I don't feel safe Yeah. because I've hurt him and I didn't want to hurt him and he mm. made me hurt him. Mm. It's a crossing of a consent boundary in the way that if mm. somebody had like a kink and made yeah. you part of it, but that you were not yeah. like, I think it, there's a similar thing there of like, yes. you're doing this thing, this challenging yeah. physical thing. It's the premise of your show is that you're going to stand up for yeah. the hour and they can see that it's starting to hurt you. Mm. 
I can see why that would turn it into a two-star show mm. because it would make them feel, wait a minute, I didn't want to hurt him and yeah. he's making me hurt him. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, I think... Okay, the we, bi- should, we should pause The bigger thing the is I was just terrible that day and it was... <laughs> that makes sense if it was after 30 minutes they swept. They did not laugh for minute one. It was dog shit. Tell people where they can find you online and where they can find your show. Uh, at Rolling Comedian is uh, where I am online. It's uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, my show is called Aaron Simmons Baby Steps. It is at 4.25 at the Pleasant's Courtyard. And it is uh, good on a good day. And it is... It is a very good show. Thank you. Uh, yeah, look, I... I actually feel physically a lot better now and actually feel like I've sort of understood what I need to do physically in order to look after myself in the way that you were talking about earlier. Um, and so, yeah, 425, Plants Court Yard, um, hit a lot of fun. Excellent. So, like, if you're in Edinburgh, go minutes. see the show. If you're not in Edinburgh, look Erin up. Um, I will be touring the show after. So I'm going to be doing uh, a version of so I'm going to be touring both Hot Wheels and Baby Steps um, uh, in the springtime, I think. Um, so yeah, so have a look out for that. I will. Um, yeah, I will be having a look time with that. Um, that's all. Thank you for having tea with me. You're welcome. Thank you very much for a hot water, lemon, and honey. <laughs> oh, do you know her? Or do you not? This stop is mistress that we have got. Elsie Thompson, it is her name, and she helps the doffers at every frame. Lousy rifle doll, lousy rifle doll.